0: Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of Furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads love where you live. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net and Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Recently, the Washington Post published a series of articles about raising boys and I was so amazed and impressed when I saw these articles because it was the most real and compassionate portrayal of boys and their families that I've seen in the media in a long time. So we have with us today Amy Joyce. Amy Joyce is the editor of the On Parenting section of the Washington Post. She oversaw this. She wrote some of these. And Amy is a mother of two boys herself. Welcome, Amy. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. How did this come about? Where did the idea to do this package come from? And then how did you go from, we should do something about boys to
1: finding these families and telling these stories? It was sort of a bunch of different things that brought us to this. But like you said, I have two boys of my own and I have to say my younger son, who's now nine, when he was much smaller, I think it was during the election one night, he said to me, mom, why do girls get to wear t-shirts that say girl power and the future is female? And I don't. And why is there something called girls on the run, but there's not boys on the run? And I realized, okay, he didn't have the context for why we are where we are but it also made me think like gosh boys are feeling a lot of things that we're not really talking about and then on top of that the me too movement started and i just started thinking what is going on with our boys what are we missing when they're smaller that's going to make sure that they're not you know we don't want them to grow up to be these horrible beings so what are we missing when they're younger and is part of that maybe how they're struggling trying to figure out how they fit in and so We started this project just thinking, gosh, we should just write about boys. But it's such a wide topic. It was sort of overwhelming. We had noticed a lot of people writing about boys, how to raise boys, and sort of looking into studies and literature and research about boys. But we hadn't really seen good narratives delving into the lives of these boys. We decided to really just dig deep. An editor suggested we go by ages. So we did. We sort of broke it up into what we thought were sort of interesting turning points. The eight-year-old, which was still... He's still sort of under his parents' influences so much. And then we went with 12-year-old and we decided it'd be fun to do three friends and sort of see how they interact as they're moving on to middle school and, and what's going to happen to them. And then, of course, the 17-year-old, the, the teenager who's about to embark on real life. It was very difficult finding families who were willing to let us hang out with them for uh, several days, hours, check in with them, and really lay their, their lives out to us. Mm-hmm. And we will be eternally grateful to them. For doing that, because I do think that that helps people when they're reading these stories. But we did eventually find sort of the good characters that were going to really open up to us. And that's how we ended up with these guys.
2: And Amy, as you're talking, I'm thinking ahead and thinking, oh, I want to know what these boys are going to be doing in a year or two. Where does Jaden end up in college or wherever he ends up after high school? And so hopefully there's plans for... Uh, following
1: up with these boys? I hope so. I do hope so. It's obviously it's up to the parents and and Jaden, he will be 18 at some point, but uh, it's up to them how they feel about this. I think it's shocking once stories come out, even though, you know, there was nothing terrifying here. They weren't releasing these deep, dark secrets. It is hard to really lay your life out there, but I, we are hoping to stay in touch with them they've been so generous and their kids have been just amazing. So hopefully they'll let us follow up.
0: Let's talk about these a little bit article by article and age by age. You did pick such turning point stages, like you said, Mm -hmm. and probably because I've been parenting boys for 20 years now, (laughs) I recognized myself and my boys in each of these articles when you wrote the eight-year-old boy article the descriptions in there about the way his parents are wrestling for instance with the fact that he's got a Fortnite shirt but mom is anti-gun violence and and how do you reconcile all of that
1: that speaks to every parent of boys that i know Right, right. It has sort of all the issues and they hit on all the issues. And we did, they were, like I said, very kind and let me hang out with them a lot because if you hang out with them a lot, you're going to sort of hit upon these. But it was interesting because Elliot had both a younger sister and an older sister. So they were also, you know, as very thoughtful parents dealing with how to raise strong girls right now. And then Mm -hmm. Elliot popped there in the middle. And uh, what was really interesting was his dad talking a lot about, how he wanted to make sure Elliot had a different childhood than he did and how he was raised in this very masculine place. And he wanted Elliot to just be the kid he was. And just so many different issues came up with that. But you're right. He was just naturally, he was the kid who was picking up the stick and, you know, starting stick fights with his friend under the tree and wearing the Fortnite t-shirt and wanting to play video games all the time. And they had to sort of constantly rein that in. But at the same time, his mom was like, hey, you need a walk. Let's go play Pokemon Go. Like, Mm-hmm. They sort of got it and they were just, it was interesting watching them with this tug of war, this balance, trying to figure out what the best way to, to handle today's world for him is.
0: That uh, issue that you mentioned with his father reflecting on his upbringing versus what he wants for his son mm-hmm. is so familiar to many parents. You know, in the article, you talk about his dad as a kid, he wanted to go to like film camp but had to go to football camp and and wrestling. And you said when Brian, the father in this article, told his dad that he wanted to major in art or English, there was no conversation. There was yelling. And this is what a lot of us grew up with. I see this current generation of parents, we're trying to do it different, which is so hard when you don't have any Thing really to draw from,
1: right? We're the first generation of parents dealing with a lot of things with devices and mm. and with letting our our boys sort of be the different people they are. I actually spent a good amount of time again speak about being generous, but uh, with Brian's dad, I I spoke with him and he had all the reasons that I think a lot of our parents had and our grandparents had for acting the way he did and for you know, he wanted his sons to be able to provide and that's all he knew. And he came from a military background and he came from this very masculine background himself. So this is what he knew. And he had a very successful career. And he was afraid when Brian said he wanted to go to film camp or major in English, it was just unheard of. So it was coming from a good place and he didn't know any better. And Brian acknowledges that, but Brian was able to take that. And since he has become an artist and a designer and made a life out of it, He knows that there are different ways to be and different things to do. And what's interesting is one of his brothers who had a law degree is now the stay-at-home dad. Like they all sort of went and sort of lived in different ways. And so he knows that Elliot can be a kind, good, successful human being if he veers from the traditional masculine path.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to just recognize, as you said, the generational patterns and to not malign our elders they came from a good place of he's got to be able to provide for his family and now it is a completely different model and I would say every parent wants to raise their child thinking that they're going to be able to provide for themselves and their family if they choose to. What strikes me though from the article was parents now are also asking themselves how do I not raise a jerk? That's a quote from the article, which I don't think our parents were thinking in those terms. And now here we are, as I hear it from moms of many boys of how do I not raise, not raise a jerk, putting that in air quotes.
1: Right. And that quote actually came from Elliot's mom. And she was saying this as we were sitting at, it was hot, we were in Raleigh. And we were in this indoor play space. She was trying to get out of the heat. And we were, the kids are running around. It was so sweet because Elliot was waiting for his sisters and he was helping his younger sister up and he was facing his bigger sister around. And there were other boys there, but he wanted to hang out and play with his sister. And I'm just looking at him thinking like, oh, what a sweet guy. What a sweet little guy. He still has his chubby cheek, and the whole thing. And she, she then brought up that thing. She said, you know, his best friend's mom and I just sit around. We do a lot of talking about how not to raise a jerk. And you look at Elliot and you think, well, of course he's not a jerk. He's not going to be a jerk. But I think as mothers and as fathers, this is sort of where we are now. You know, we do see what has happened with the Me Too movement. We do hear these horrible stories. All of a sudden we're waking up and saying, gosh, these sweet little innocent beings did turn into some, some pretty bad characters. But at the same time, we know that as long as we're talking to our kids and being with our kids and thinking about our kids in the right ways, they're probably not going to turn out to be these... These monsters. That's, I still believe, the anomaly. It's shaken a lot of parents of boys, and they want to know what to do to make sure their kids are the good ones.
0: It's definitely become a major question on parents' minds, especially the parents of boys. And Janet's already heard this story, and um, we talked about it on the podcast. But you know, when I get an email from my son's teacher telling me about some inappropriate behavior he pulled in the bathroom at school, and he he turned around and his pants were down and he thought he was being silly. (laughs) And I don't want to raise Harvey Weinstein, but I don't want to overreact to these things. And so we're trying to find that balance between, you know, letting them be who they are, letting them be rambunctious because there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Letting them play with sticks, nothing inherently
1: wrong with that, but also learning how to respect human beings. Right. And I think with all the news that's out there, with everything that we've has been thrown at us recently that is on the forefront of our mind, but we also have to remember, right, our kids are good, you know, for mm-hmm. the most part, we have good kids and not to sort of conflate the two, but it is on parents' minds a lot. And there are so many issues that are coming up with boys these days that I think a lot of parents just are thinking a lot more than maybe in different ways than previous years. I, so.
0: I loved at the end of that article, you catch the parents taking each other in a sentence and he says, we don't know if we're doing it right. And she says, but we're going to keep trying. And if anything sums up my approach to parenting, that's
1: it right there. (laughs) That's it right there. You know, they were, like I said, they were hanging out with me for so long and they said, well, what's this article going to be about? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) You know, I have to sit down and think about this and write this. And when they said that, I said, well, that right there, that sums it up. That's what parenting Mm -hmm. is. And that's what parenting boys today is, is we're just going to keep trying and we're hoping for the best. And we want these good, kind citizens who are going to be strong, powerful, kind, generous men someday. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the
0: 11 and 12-year-old one. This one really touched me because I have a 12-year-old. You have an 11-year-old. What's so special about that time in the lives of boys?
1: Well, they're still very innocent, and yet they also see what's coming, and they know. They see that there are changes. They see that their friends, friend groups are changing. They might not be able to put it into words but they feel that their parents are sort of moving into the background and their peer groups are moving into the foreground they are maturing if anyone can say a 12 year old boy is mature but they are <laughs> changing so much they are um, and they can feel it right they feel all those changes coming and so this trio of buddies my colleague Ellen McCarthy and I are just we're in love with them they were so insightful and sweet and you could see you know you could sort of see what was coming for them and when they sat down to talk about it, they really were reflective and insightful. And some people said, well, my kid wouldn't be like that if he was that age. Well, you know what? After we hung out with these kids, their parents were saying, did they actually say anything? And I think a lot of us forget our boys actually have some really deep feelings and thoughts about things. So they might not have been able to always put it exactly into words, but they could see that they were at this turning point. Their three friends through mm-hmm. hockey They go to three different schools. So they knew that their friendship might change and they knew that they're sort of trying to fit in more now than they had in elementary school and they weren't with the same group of friends they had always been with. So that was interesting hearing how they were looking at all of that.
0: 12-year-old boys do not have a reputation as reflective, deep thinkers. A lot of us, most of us, most of the time are frankly operating from very stereotypical beliefs about boys and I think those themselves can be limiting. You know, 12 year old boys can be so silly and crazy and over the top, and they can make all kinds of questionable decisions, no right. doubt. But they at the same time can also be compassionate, caring, reflective.
1: And you captured that. Right. And they showed us that. They were very generous about that. And what was also interesting about all of this was sort of how they talked about girls and they showed us that we really do have these biases. They were saying, well, the girls talk all the time, but when we talk, we're the ones who get in trouble as teachers, parents, adults. We assume the boys are going to be overly silly and goofy and disruptive. And then you think about it like, gosh, you're right. You know, Mm -hmm. We do do that to them. So it was interesting as a reporter, I left my boys to go hang out with other boys and write about an interview, it was really insightful for me too. I would come home and I'd look at my own and I'd think, oh gosh, I'm absolutely doing that. Or I'm so glad those kids said that because now I see it in my own house. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting.
0: Janet, that's something we've talked about a lot. I know you've heard it from parents and families where the boys are complaining, like, I didn't even do anything and I'm in trouble and I have to stay in for recess. But she this first, we we hear and see this all the time. And it really contributes to, frankly, the way boys feel about themselves, the way they feel about school.
2: Absolutely. I'm in a lot of schools and watching this unfold. And it's about, I think, a lot of our expectation as females. Most elementary school teachers especially are female. And so we expect that boys are going to behave and talk to us and tell us their feelings in the same way that girls do. And boys get this from preschool on. They know that there's a difference. And this is close to my heart. I feel like this is an area where we need to do better as females and open up that broader view. of. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, But they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son Tyler
0: had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing, and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight.
2: And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to
0: dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20%
2: off for being an onboys listener. Understanding our boys, I saw a teacher... Just shut a boy down so quickly. He was so eager raising his hand He wanted to fill in the numbers on the timeline and that wasn't in her plan So she said nope not doing that now and completely shut him down Well, you can imagine how his behavior was the rest of the day He immediately turned to his friend and started blowing spitballs and he was checked out So I think this is happening A lot. And to bring more awareness to that, our boys know
1: what's going on. Mm -hmm. They do seem very aware for sure.
0: I think that age is so challenging for boys too. You alluded to it a little bit in the article. Girls mature more quickly than boys (laughs) do. So the girls are starting to be interested in the boys and the boys are still kind of like, ew. And maybe they're a little interested, but it's not the same level. And then you've got Some boys at 12 are well into puberty and some aren't going to start for another four years,
1: it seems like. So it's it's a really tough transition. It really is. It is a very tough transition. I think my favorite part of that story of the 12-year-old boys was when uh, Gray was retelling the story about watching one of the girls... In his class, yeah. she took a pencil and she started to draw on her eye. And I said, stop, stop. And then I realized it was some kind of makeup. Like they are at such different levels in such different places. and That made me think too,
0: because it, like you wouldn't necessarily know that right. if you're a boy. That's not necessarily part of your world if you don't right. have a sister, if you never saw your
1: mom do that. They are funny. They are. The thing about these three, the reason we wanted to do the three friends was watching how they are friends. You know, there, there's that phrase that I hate, boys will be boys. Well, yeah. no, actually, boys are really interesting, good creatures. They had such a strong friendship with each other and they helped their one through, friend through the death of his father just by treating him like they always had. And I just saw them as such loyal, resilient beings. And again, I'm not sure that us adults think about them in that way. It, it was Is- really eye-opening for me. Is
0: that something that you are seeing and noticing with your 11-year-old too, the importance of friends in his
1: life? Yes, I am. I think he's pretty lucky in that he has this solid group of friends that he's had for a while, mostly through baseball, and they're still sticking with each other. But also you can sort of see them peeling away a little bit and their interests are waning or their maturity is moving into such different levels because boys are maturing at different speeds in different levels. So I'm watching that from afar thinking, okay, what's going to happen? But at the same time, I feel like he's got this base that he knows that he's going to be okay because he's got these, you know, three or four really good friends who've been with him since they were five years old. You know, that's something that we don't talk about much at all in society, even
0: among families of boys. There's all of this talk and conversation, and you sort of expect, if you're a parent, that when you have girls and they're going through middle school and high school, that there will be friend drama, and Mm -hmm. that's going to require attention from you. Right. There's really no messaging about how to support your son's friendships as he transitions from little boy into tween, into his teen years? What can we do to support and facilitate?
1: We don't want to micromanage, but you know, what's our role there? Right. That's a really good question. And I think the parents of this trio, they all knew each other through hockey and they were supportive of each other, which I think the kids can then model. Just to be aware of what's going on with your kids and their friendships, that's not always easy. But I think that that's got to be sort of a key component here. You know, again, like you said, not micromanaging. And there will be drama and friendships will peter out. That's an interesting aspect to boys and friendships. And you're right. It's another thing that I don't think very many people think about or talk about. And I think it's still important as they're moving on into their teen years. But how do we see that? Do we see these strong friendships as their teens? Are they just goofing off together? Is that just how we see it?
2: Well, and part of that goofing off together is actually really bonding for boys. And as women, I think we don't quite see it that way, but it really is. And so that is a great segue into our 17-year-old and this Mm -hmm. standing at the precipice of manhood and high school graduation and what comes next.
1: And I think you captured this age so well. Well, thanks. This one was actually my colleague, Ellen McCarthy. It was interesting because we did have a couple of other possible characters and they got spooked and they stepped out. And this kid, Jayden, he was so open and willing to talk about everything. And, he and said, I he give was, him
0: a ton of credit for that. This oh is gosh,
1: a yes. 17-year-old boy
0: who is talking about his experiences with porn, talking right. about sex, talking about friendships, this is not easy stuff to share and that that he's willing to to do it, that we can have these kinds of conversations.
1: I'm really grateful to him. I am so grateful to him. And Ellen was very careful and said to him many times, like, okay, so you talked about this, this will be in print. Are we, you know, and she, she was careful because he's still under age and she doesn't want this to be a bad thing for him to follow him. And he said, no, I want to talk about this because I feel like Not enough people are talking about this and I don't want other boys to feel as isolated as I do You know, and he's a popular kid. He's funny. He's got friends. He's got girlfriends, but he feels isolated and so These big issues that a 17 year old boy is facing and again, it's issues that our generation really didn't Have to face. He wants it out there and he wanted to talk about it and he sort of didn't hesitate. So I'm so grateful
0: I feel a lot for our teenagers right now, and especially the teenage boys, because the world has shifted since they were born. I have a 21-year-old right now. I have an 18-year-old right now. And these conversations that, frankly, most of us are just starting to have about consent and masculinity, we weren't having those conversations 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So digital media didn't happen. I mean, there's a, there's a gap between my oldest and my youngest in terms of what they grew up with with technology. So they kind of grew up surrounded by one set of ideas about how to be a man, how to be a guy in the world. And then by the time they hit their teenage years, we're like, yeah, um, about that. Right. It's almost too late at that point. So these a lot of these guys that are in high school right now did get the messaging that said be stoic, be strong, right. you don't share your personal stuff with other people. It's all about getting the girl. And on some level, you know, Jaden's telling us that
1: this doesn't feel right to me. This doesn't feel authentic. Right. He comes from an interesting background and in that his mother is a police officer, you know, and so she came from a very masculine Career And she was really straightforward as well. She didn't really talk to him about these things, but he came to her the first time he had sex and she had him go out and get condoms. And she also talked to him a lot about being a brown boy in society and how you have to be careful and what you have to do. And so she was as open, I think, as you could expect. But he has enough wherewithal to sit around and to think like, gosh, there's something missing here. There's something wrong. I have friends, but are they true friends? I have friendships, but how deep can we go? I can't actually talk to my friends about these things that are bothering me. And that's not okay. And to be that insightful as a 17-year-old boy is just amazing. But I think it also shows us that probably a lot of 17-year-old boys are feeling like this.
0: And I think we underestimate a lot of them. We make these assumptions that teen boys aren't very deep,
2: but they can be. Right. Right. And I thought it was interesting that where he did have his deep conversations was with his friends that are girls. And that felt a lot safer for him.
1: Right. Yeah. He's very comfortable with girls. It seemed like he was sort of more on their level as far as having these deeper conversations. And I really liked seeing that because I think that that also is a common relationship. These friendships between teen boys and girls that aren't romantic relationships. And I think that's another thing that we sort of underestimate how deep these conversations and these friendships can be without being much more than that.
0: Have you heard from Jaden since the article has been published? You know, him I'm the most curious about how this maybe has affected his life because, I mean, these guys live in the world of social media.
1: We haven't heard too much from him yet. We wanted to give him a little breathing room before we uh, follow up too much. But um, he did right away after the story appeared. He let us know he thought it looked great and he thanked us. He thanked Ellen for working with him and he said he appreciated everything. So, I mean, what a kid, right? And so uh, we're hoping, we're hoping to hear that he's going to graduate with the 2.0 that he wanted to graduate with and get into that the community college and sort of figure out his life a little bit. We're hoping, um, hoping, but we ha- also haven't heard sort of how his friends reacted to this or if they even saw it. Yeah. I'm not sure how much <laughs> he's going to be sharing.
0: Well, and I'm sure you know this, but there's not a lot of 17 year olds where like their go-to source for information is the Washington <laughs> Post.
1: We know, we know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, it's a, it's a hard place, but Yeah.
0: What um, has the response to this series been? You know, tell me about the reception these articles and the, whole, the project has gotten in the public sphere.
1: So it's been overwhelmingly positive. We expected some pushback. There's nothing wrong with boys. You're trying to turn this into something. And that's not at all what we were doing. We just wanted to show a slice of these boys' lives and what they're going through. And I feel like that's what we're hearing from the public. And I appreciate every email we've received, a lot of moms, a lot of dads, have been reaching out to us, just telling us their own stories. We had grandparents. We had grandfathers, one who wrote to me and said it made him cry. Um, he said, this is how I've always felt. These kids are so lucky that people are listening to them. Nobody listened to me. So a lot of people, it sounded like we're bringing it back to their own lives. There were a lot of people who talked about raising sons on their own and that this was insightful and helpful. So that's what we were hoping for. Um, we wanted to learn as much as hopefully the readers did as well. We were sort of pleasantly surprised at the positive reception we got. And I think people are thirsting for this. They're thirsting for more information about our boys. Mm-hmm.
2: As you said, really being able to live into their situations and bring it into their own lives is so poignant. So where do we go from here, right?
0: So you've laid out, this is where uh, boys and their families are. These are some of the issues affecting our boys in America based on your work on the series and your own experience as a mom of boys. What do you think that we as parents and as citizens need to do now to continue to support our boys' development and growth, to help them be these good men?
1: Right. And a lot of people have asked that question. And the best I can come up with after doing this is to listen and to not underestimate our boys. They have so many feelings and so many thoughts, and there are so many things turning around in their heads and their hearts. And I myself, like I said, went into this, not sure what I was going to come out with, but that's that's what this series taught me as a mother of boys is just, they have a lot to say and a lot of really interesting, insightful things to say. So if there's one thing we can, we can suggest after this is just, listen to them take time and you don't have to have serious heart-to-hearts every night but just be aware and don't expect them to be a certain way i think there's there's so multi-dimensional there's so much going on inside of them so hopefully teachers and parents alike will will just sort of know to open up a little and listen a little bit more than maybe we have been
2: this reminds me of one of the boys you quoted in the article one boy adrian said if it was more acceptable to check in on us and more acceptable for us to open up about how we're feeling, we would all be better off.
1: Ugh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at that. These these quotes from these boys that were just part of the online thing, you know, we didn't give them advance notice what we were asking them. We really put them on the spot and they all had so many interesting things to say like that. But you're right. That quote brings it all home, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) Let's have our tearful moment. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, meanwhile,
0: I'm pretty sure though that my 18 year old would say, yeah, don't check in with me. Just (laughs) just let me do my thing right now. You can check in without actually checking in. right? Right. And that's what we do. You know, as a mom, as your kid grows as they develop, you sort of learn to read when it's okay to approach, when it's when it's best to just be there and not say anything, and there are other times when you just know, steer clear.
1: Exactly.
2: I'm curious about what's ahead. Do you have any more articles along these lines planned? How can we as as we said before, how can we continue this conversation with the Washington Post on parenting as our guide?
1: Well, no
2: pressure, (laughs) no pressure.
1: No pressure. Well, as it's something that interests me and I'm also the editor, so I'm always looking for pieces from moms and dads about their boys and sort of what they're discovering and what they're finding. Uh, We have a piece coming up soon from a feminist mom who all of a sudden realized it wasn't all about just focusing on her daughter and raising her daughter to be a feminist. She realized her son was missing out on a lot. But I do think that we're planning and hoping to sort of really look into those issues that we just spoke about boys and friendships, boys and mental health, boys and video games, and really sort of take what we've done with these three pieces and, and try to continue the conversation sort of on these major issues or even issues that we don't think of as being boys issues like friendships, for instance, and just see what's going on there.
0: Meanwhile, we all just keep doing what we think is best in the moment. We're making it up as we go along. And I really think that all of us doing this, learning, listening, and adapting in the moment to support our boys, it's going to make a difference.
2: Amy, thank you so, so much for being with us today. Mm -hmm. I know all of our listeners who haven't even seen the articles will enjoy them and will be continuing
1: the conversation. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. I'm always happy to talk. Boys and anger is a topic
0: we are hearing lots about. We want you to know you are not alone. You can go to boysalive.com backslash anger and receive a free audio download to help you understand the complexities of your son's anger. Also, includes tips and strategies for how you can help him cope with this big emotion. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men.